Loving California, living left coast time. I don't need to warn ya, the babes out here are so fine. Shirts off, shades on, smash breath on the stereo. Rocking with the top down is hella rad. Now here we go. I love boobs in California, sand in California. Boobs in California, and my staying in California. I love jobs in California. Heights in California, but the boobs in California are the greatest boobs around. Oh, 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 the greatest boobs. Daisy Duke so high, the pockets are peaking. Every day in Cali land is a weekend. I love boobs in California, sun in California. Welcome to episode 106, where we go to the beach, Christine. Ew. Ew? I said we do. Oh, I thought you said ew. I'm like, what do you have against the beach? I mean, it oh, can I be also, kind of... Kind of also, I hate the beach, but you, I was disagreeing with you. Do you actually hate the beach? Are you an anti-beach person? Um, I don't like swimming at the beach. Okay. Do you like... I like looking at it. Okay. Do you like reading on the beach? Is it hot? Usually on a beach most no. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm in the sun, if it's hot, if there's sand sticking to me, or if I'm in salt water, I don't like it. Okay. That's pretty much what a beach is. So I mm -hmm. think that puts you in the no camp. I used to not be a beach person, even though like I live on lived on Long Island, so I was close to the beach, but I just was never that excited by it, mostly because, yeah, I always felt gross when you leave the beach. Yes. As soon as you walk into the, a car, you're like, ew, now I have to sit in sand and, like, dead bugs and seaweed that are stuck to my body under my bathing suit until I get home and shower and take off my gross bathing suit filled with sand and dead bugs and seaweed. Um, but, I don't know, something happened, like, when I was in my 20s where suddenly I fell in love with the beach again, so now I really dig it. You love dead bugs. Maybe it's the dead bugs. I don't, I mean, I feel like... That was my takeaway from I that I feel story. like there are less dead bugs when I go to the beach now than there used to be when I was a kid. Oh, well, that's You know, good. like, I, I just have memories of leaving the beach and take and getting to my bathroom to take a shower. And when I took my bathing suit off, just shaking it out and all sorts of disgusting things fell out of it. Now, granted, I grew up in Long Island in the late 80s, early 90s, when there were, like, many stories about really bad pollution in the beaches and I remember a news story where they showed needles washing up ashore so it's perhaps perhaps it's that and now beaches are slightly cleaner and the ones I go to don't have you know hypodermic needles and all that stuff uh but yeah I don't find beaches gross anymore I really dig them and they relax me I'm glad that you've made that journey thank you um and by the way so we're the feminine critique and we're covering beach movies this week I got really excited about the beach, so I kind of jumped yeah. jumped past our usual intro. Understandable. Uh, uh, Christine, what are the beach movies that we're talking? We are talking about, and I'm, I'm going to say that I think these two movies are very um, good representations of us as people. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> um, so we're talking about uh, The Lost Boys uh -huh. and Psycho Beach Party? Yep. Yep, that's, oh, that's I hope that's the one you watched. <laughs> no, it, it definitely is. I was going to make a joke, but I definitely did watch that. Um, yeah, I picked Lost Boys, and then Emily, well, I think, I believe Jason suggested on our Facebook I opened group. it up to discussion, yeah. because I was in a lighthearted beach mood, and I asked 
what is a good lighthearted movie? <laughs> so I picked movie. Lost Boys. So Christine yes. felt the Lost Boys. Was, you know, it, it is. Lost Boys is much more you know lighthearted what? than I remembered it being. Honestly, watching it, I really do stand by my choice. I felt so stupid after I picked it, and then I watched it, and I was like, no, you know what? <laughs> I do stand by this. Well, there's something about the very idea of vampires on a beach that just seems, wait a minute, that can't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, Uh-oh. you know, for a certain amount of hours it can't. But at the same time, like, I I had forgotten that Lost Boys is actually almost more a horror comedy than a horror movie. It's got a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. For Very sure. much. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it, it is was pretty lighthearted. Uh, and paired it with Psycho Beach Party, which I have no idea what you think of it. I was kind of terrified that you would absolutely hate it. You might have absolutely hated it. I don't know. But it was... Uh, also the exact movie I was in the mood for. So <laughs> everything worked out for me. Hooray. Yeah. That's all that matters. Indeed. Before we get into our main features, Christine, what else have you been watching uh, this burning, heating, beachifying July? I have a list of questionable choices. Ooh. Um, so I love a woman with questionable choices. Do you remember the, a movie called The Perfect Guy? Was this with Hilary Duff? No. Okay. This is like a suspenseful, like, uh, like this guy is a really crazy guy movie where it, the lady meets the guy and she like falls in love with him, but or like goes on dates with him and likes him a lot, and then he shows his true colors and he becomes obsessed with her and stalks her. Okay, I'm looking Forced, at the IMDb listing said- for it. Looks vaguely familiar. I definitely did not see it. Okay, so I saw it. Um, I love these kinds of movies. Um, They're a lot of fun. The lady in it is the lady from Alien vs. Predator, which I watched because (laughs) I really like her, and I like her in AVP. So I watched AVP as well. Nice. Which, there's so many parts of that movie that are so good, and then other parts that make me want to jump out a window. It's so tough to balance because yeah. I'm like, well, I gotta get through it because parts of this are so good. Also, do you have you seen AVP recently? I've, not recently. I saw it one time on video a couple years ago, and I remember thinking, like, approaching it, knowing how much everybody hated it, and watched it and thought. This was kind of fun. I didn't hate it. I had I had fun with it, yeah. and I think it's fun. I like her. Yep. I like when I like the the predator as a hero because mm-hmm. I prefer predator to alien. Sure. Um, but watching it this time, and I'd be look. I feel like I set the fucking world on fire when I thought about this. But it really is a lot like Prometheus, the plot Ooh, of the, the yeah. movie. Okay. And I was just like, whoa! Is it also? I might have been under the influence of something at the time, oh, but yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is so much like Prometheus. I've drawn the most important conclusion of the 21st century. <laughs> like, I have to tell the internet, but I didn't I didn't tell the internet. Well, I you just are kept now. It now you're telling the internet. And now I am. But I'm just curious if, like, anybody else has ever thought that, because there are interesting parallels. Um, but yeah, The Perfect Guy is a weird movie, and it <laughs> It goes a lot further than you would expect it to. Nice. So if you're if you ever come across it on streaming, watch like it. you should watch it. Okay. Uh, uh, I watched Rocky Four, and I'll explain to you why four momentarily. Four. I've seen all the Rocky movies. I, I have n- no real nostalgia for any of them. I don't. They're fine. I they're varying 
um, quality, you know, depending mm-hmm. on which entry you get there. Rocky four has a robot in it famously. Yeah. Um, but also, um, it's the, what's his face one? Um, Drago. Ah, oh, the Dolph you know, Lundgren one. Okay. Dolph yeah. Lundgren. There's yep. super hot Dolph Lundgren. But so Zach really wanted to watch Creed and he was like, we have to watch Rocky four first. And I was like, I guess, sure. <laughs> So we hey, girl, real- you, you you agreed to certain things when you enter into marriage. You know, and I was like, I I mean, it's not like I'm gonna go in another room. Dolph Lundgren's in this movie. Brigitte yeah. Nielsen's in this movie. I'm gonna stay in the fucking room for it. So we watched that, and then we watched Creed. Have you 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 are not huge into this franchise, correct? No. Um, as a kid, I remember Rock, Rock, Rocky Three a lot. Um, but I have just never sat down and watched any of them as a grown up. Yeah, it. I don't. I. I. I feel like I got peer pressured into them at <laughs> some point. You haven't seen the Rocky right. movies. You have to see them. They really weren't like a part of like my movie going like they, life. But they were very much. I think for our time, they were kind of a big like. Oh, you haven't seen Rocky? Rocky's the best because it's it was young enough that people slightly older than us remembered seeing it and our parents remembered it and loved it (laughs) but knew enough that it wasn't that it should have still appealed to everybody but yeah yeah, I mean I I just didn't really watch it that much as a kid yeah just wasn't around Mm -hmm. and so like whatever I'll rewatch your Rocky 4 but Creed is so good ah nice Creed was really really great like even taking away that, like, I didn't bring... Like, I knew what it was about. I knew the characters. I understood the story. I knew the, like, the the stakes, you know? Right, like, right. I got I got all that. But not going in without, like, a real love of the franchise to color how I, how I viewed it was... Like, I still thought, like, this is a good... This is, like, a legitimately good movie. Could this you movie step so into that good. movie having seen no other Rocky movie, you think? Yeah, I think cool. so. And I mean, especially if you have basic knowledge. I mean, you know right. who Drago is. You know, like what happens. Mm-hmm. He, he like punches what's his face to death. <laughs> Creed. <laughs> yeah, he punch, he punches Apollo and yeah. to death. Like no spoilers here, everybody. That's the thing that it's, happens. Yeah. He made a movie about it. Um, so like you have basic knowledge. I'm pretty sure they give some backstory and stuff, but it's really, really great. I believe you. It's Ryan Coogler. It's Michael P. Jordan. It's Tessa I Thompson. Know. And the and the second one is coming out. I think Thanksgiving. I believe or like, so. Yeah. Um. But like, I'm I'm worried about it. Is it Ryan Coogler? Coogler I again? I am not looking at IMDb, but Zach keeps telling me it's it's Stallone. Oh, Stallone directing it, huh? Well, it, I can tell you it is not Ryan Coogler. Uh, yeah. Let's see if it is. Sylvester Stallone. Uh, this is riveting. The director. Uh, no, he's doing Rambo 5 right now. Huh. So he's very busy with that. Let's see who's doing Creed 2. <laughs> Creed 2 is being directed by Stephen Capel Jr. Capley did, Jr. Did Stallone write it then? Uh, I don't know if he wrote it. He's going to have a yeah, writing maybe. credit regardless because regardless, all yeah. of Rocky's I don't know. his. Zach's way more dialed in than I am, but he keeps saying, don't get excited for it. You this know, The director of Creed 2 is not somebody... He's done a lot of TV. He hasn't done any other feature films, it mm. looks like. so. I mean, maybe it'll still be good. Maybe, I don't, maybe I'm talking out my ass and I don't know what's going on, but like... 
I don't know. Creed was good. Okay. So that's my endorsement for Creed. If you haven't watched it because you're like me and you're like, eh, mm-hmm. it's actually good. It's nice. um, so I already said AVP. I rewatched um, Last Jedi because I love that movie so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's so very good. It it's so on good. Netflix. It's on Netflix, everyone. If you didn't realize, oh. if Netflix hasn't told you four hundred times <laughs> in the street, you know it's I don't there. know that Netflix has told me, but it it won't stop. I'm like, like it's on my list once, but I've legit watched it twice. It like I've watched it. It's there, and Netflix keeps going. Like, hey, you want to watch Last you Jedi watch again? Like, oh, calm down. Maybe later. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what I did over July 4th. Ooh. You asked me and I forgot. And now looking at my list, I know. Um, I watched every Twilight movie. Oh, honey, but why would you do that to yourself? Look, it's a, it was a really weird experience. Oh, God. I, I, I don't think I saw four and five. I thought they were getting better. I thought three is the best. Because three is directed by David Slade. And I remember yeah. thinking, you know, three, it, this is still terrible, but it's directed well. Like, this is definitely... Well, it felt like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. One and two do not. I, I mean, I still find that franchise and everything about it sufferable. And it has, by the way, it has nothing to do with it being a horror movie. No! That I have no problem with. I have no problem with Vampires Live in Seattle because it rains there. That, that's fine. I have no problem with the mythology of it. That's all fine. The problem I have is Bella Swan is a horrible, horrible character and terrible role model. And that, that those books captured uh, very impressionable women at an age when you want them to have real heroes and not Bella Swan. That's my problem with it. Well, yeah. And Stephanie Myers is a crazy person. Yes, yes. And, crazy Mormon. And- and really, like, super, th- those movies are super pro-life yep. and oh, yeah. super, like, Abstinence just really, and... yeah, and disturbing and, like, don't understand what sex is. Yeah, or what and, clumsiness like, is. Those movies do, um, uh, forget, I think was it, Zach used to call um, uh, The Big Bang Theory, like, a nerd minstrel show, like, that's a klutz minstrel show, those movies. Because it's, oh, clumsy people, this is how they are. No, no, that is an insult to clumsy people. No, I, I agree. There's so much wrong with it. Yeah. Um, and she's a bitch. I'm sorry. She's, she's an awful person. I like Kristen Stewart a real lot. As an actor, um, I like her a lot. This in character other things. is awful. She can't do anything this, with it. Yeah. This character's terrible. She's so mean um, to her friends, right? Isn't, like, a young Anna Kendrick in it, and she's adorable yeah. and quirky, and, like, Kristen Stewart's just Anna mean Kendrick's to her? the best thing about yeah. the first two. Yeah, well, the, and then the best thing about three is um, Michael Sheen. Yeah, and then five is, um, five is just the most bananas movie you've ever seen in your life. It's, wow. it, it, they talked about it on how did this get made. So I had only ever seen the first one and I hated it with yeah. a fiery flaming passion. And I said, I will never do, I will never waste any more of my time on these movies. Um, and then I, I met a man that liked wasting time on <laughs> terrible movies. So it, it was threatening to happen. Like we're going to watch sure. them all. We're going to, we're going to watch them all for like years now. <laughs> um, and I don't know why it just kind of happened in the, the fifth one. I had heard them talk about on how did this get made? So I knew it was, it was wild, mm-hmm. but the fight scenes in that and the <laughs> violence in the fifth one is so out of nowhere and not 
in line with any of the well, other movies. Oh, yeah. I remember reading about this, that there's, like, some crazy fantasy sequences, right? Uh, with, um, and, well, it's, what's his name? Um, Bill Condon directing, I think. Yeah, I, I think you're, I'm almost and, positive you're I right. I mean, Bill Condon, who is a very good director, and a director oh, who I... Oh, they, they look good. Yeah. And Gear, um, Guillermo, no, it's... No, what's his name? I can't think of his name. He works with Del Toro, and I think his name's Guillermo, and I've just completely lost my train of thought. And he directed a bunch of Hannibals, or at least one Hannibal. Um, I like him a lot. He's the director of photography on a couple of them. Okay, interesting. And you can tell, because they look better. They always better. look good, yeah. The first one is a, is a trash heap, in my opinion. There's barely anything going for the first one. But they start to look progressively mm. better. And yeah. And like, oh, okay, yeah. But uh, and, and even when the acting gets a little bit better, because it does. The acting sure. does get a little bit better. Um, well, we all know Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart can act. Yes. It was just, he's terrible in it, too. Yeah. Oh, he's terrible in these movies. And, and it... What's the like, face? Ty, uh, Tyler... Taylor Lautner? Taylor Lautner? I think so. Is, he cannot act. He can't act, Fun no. Fact, yes, act. we've seen him in other things. He's not good. He's he made me uncomfortable, and then there's the whole. I know you didn't get that far, but I'm sure you've oh, read I know about, about it. it. The imprinting, the imprinting so on their stupidly up. named baby. So it is. Up. It makes me so uncomfortable. Everything yeah. about those movies made me uncomfortable. Yeah, they are. And again, this is why, like, I, they make me like upset because they're really like. I don't want my nieces reading those books because I, yeah. like when I was their age, I read Flowers in the Attic. Which, okay, yeah, crazy shit happens in it, but at its core, it's about this really strong um, survivor of a woman who goes through hell and uh, ends up stronger for all of it. Whereas the Twilight movies, I haven't read the books because I, you know, treasure my sanity a little bit, like, are about this blank canvas of a boring, selfish, bratty teenager who continues to be a selfish, bratty teenager throughout the series. Like, and I, it's, so it's really, really, for me, it like hits a nerve because, and I'm not saying everything written for teenagers has to be something they aspire to, but it became that. Um, and it just, it's upsetting to me because like, no, like Bella Swan is not Hermione Granger. <laughs> and it really bothers me, I guess. Yeah, I think it's what bothers, you're right. Not everything has to be, a blueprint for how to live your life. Right. But, but when I they think partake the, in that way. The agenda in this is so yeah. clear. And everything about this movie is so transparent. She might not have known she was sitting down to write some bullshit. But it, it, it's like just rhetoric. Mm -hmm. it, it's so gross. That's what's yeah. so gross about it. And like as like a 30-something year old, I feel comfortable watching this and being like, this sucks. I'm taking it at face value. Sure. But yeah, if I had a kid that was super into that, I'd be like, uh, 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 okay, we're going to talk about enough. why she's a terrible person. You can be into it and read the books. That's sure. fine. But I need evidence that it's being balanced out with something less harmful. Yeah. Cause I don't mean to be dramatic, but that shit is straight up mm -hmm. harmful. It's that bad. And the character and is the so done. And so, yeah. Trash too. Yeah. And the character is, like, the whole, I remember somebody defending it to me and saying, like, well, no, that's the point of Bella Swan, is that, like, you can put yourself in her place because she is so normal. I'm like, no, it's not that she's normal, it's that she's awful. And, like, yeah. I remember in, I think it's the second or third movie, when they go to Rome 
and they're you've seen them recently so you would remember and they're like in a vampire's lair but it's um sort of disguised as this historic tour Mm -hmm. you remember this and like they go in and bella and um dude uh eric what is his name edward edward thank you bella and edward like (laughs) basically like make a deal with the evil vampires or something where it's like, okay, they reach some kind of detente and they're able to leave, but they're leaving and they're walking out this door past hundreds of tourists who are about to go into this lair and get eaten. And they have no idea. Cause they're, and there's like families with kids and like Bella looks at like a little girl and, and then Edward's like, we can't help them. It's like, no, you could, you can be like, guys turn around and leave, but they don't. She does nothing heroic at all in any of the three movies I've seen. And it's very upsetting. Yeah, she's stupid and gross. I hate it. Awful. (sighs) Well, they're all about... They're all on Amazon Prime, everybody. Um, There's every one of them except the last one, I believe, has an extended version. They're all two hours plus. Oh, God. So if you would like to spend ten hours of your life watching them... You did that all in one day? No, I think we did it. We started it on, on... Tuesday night, yeah, and then followed it into the next day, and maybe finished the last one on like Thursday, like like the second half of the last one. Okay, because I feel like that's really dangerous for anybody to do too many of those at once. (laughs) And by the end, I don't want to say that I was like invested at all. But, like, I definitely knew this universe, and I was like, well, Alice needs to do this and that, and (laughs) I don't understand why Emmett just doesn't come in, and if this is the, if this is what her power is, then why doesn't Jacob realize, like, like, really obnoxiously asking questions about this movie? I mean, I like Bill Condon as a director a lot, like, I, I, hey, I'm the one that goes to bat for Candyman, too. Um, so I was kind of curious to see what he did with it, but I don't know that I need to watch two movies to do that. No. Yeah. No. You don't. Okay. <laughs> That's I'll my continue recommendation. to live my life with one always wondering. <laughs> I mean, Amazon Prime, man. I know how much you love Amazon yeah, Prime. Yeah, so. yeah. That's. I mean, I guess I could have it on the background one day. But I. Yeah. You. It. You would enjoy that fight scene. Okay. A hundred percent, you will. And the the people that pop up in that franchise are so weird like it's a who's who like the wife from um kill list is in it oh from uh i love yeah yeah i love her i love her little face and she's in that and maggie grace is in it love maggie grace know that um so the rando people show up and you're like oh um lee pace is in the last one that's always nice he, I don't know how you can make Lee Pace look ugly, but don't worry, they do it in this oh, movie. <laughs> and there's something up with like the hair and makeup in these movies. Oh, I've never seen so many unattractive vampires in my life. <laughs> um, mentioned AVP. Um, oh, per- I went, we went and saw the Purge prequel. The first <gasps> Purge. Oh I God, I wanted to. I was going to go do it on July 4th, but then I was telling you I didn't feel well, so I didn't. Was it great? Sadly, no. Oh, no. I've heard something might be great. It might be. Well, I mean, you know, opinions differ. Sure. Um, Zach hated it. <gasps> I did not hate it at all. Okay. But I would, without having seen all of them very recently, I would probably say it's my least favorite. Hmm, interesting. It's a different director. Yeah. It's, it feels different. The pace is weird. Mm. There's some visuals that work really well. Um, 
there's some parts of it that are really disturbing. The way that it ends when you know that it's a prequel is, as you can probably assume, is kind sure. of upsetting. Okay. Like, oh, I, I actually know how this ends because yeah. I've seen the movies that yeah, come after yeah. it. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I guess I wanted more. It didn't feel like they were really breaking any... Well, they are part. doing a TV show. They'll advertise it in the credits. Yeah, I heard that, which is random. <laughs> but hey, I'm, I'm ex- it's a 10-episode miniseries on oh, USA. I'm going to watch it. I can't wait. Yeah, I need so to go I, see it before... I'm curious yeah. to hear what you think. Okay, I'm trying. Schedule's been tough, but I am going to try. Um... We saw Ant-Man as well. Ah, Brandon uh, did. He enjoyed it. Did he? I, I think it's... I Thor 2, The Dark World, is my least favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I, I found it physically painful to sit through. Um, this is this is my number two. Ooh, this wow. movie was so hard to watch. Oof. Oof. Um, <laughs> I, I really didn't like it. And I... You know, one of the things that could tip it, though, is I don't like Paul Rudd. I don't find him charming. Right, I don't I find do. him... Yeah charismatic um and i really wish it had just been a wasp movie okay. like it would have been so much more interesting if it was just a wasp movie okay interesting are you gonna see it do you think no i still haven't seen the first one yeah i mean and the first one was like eh. that's kind of how i felt mm-hmm. got it there's big ants in it i'm not spoiling anything i do like big ants i mean it's you know that oxymoron but i do like them like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, a big ant. So I got a I got a soft spot for a big ant. Um, I think that'll be my recommend. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I watched is a movie called Delirium. I don't know it. Oh, that actually it's sounds very, vaguely familiar. Very generic title. It's tough because the title's super generic. Topher Grace is in it. Okay. It was directed by the guy who directed the Last House on the Left remake Ooh, and like. that Plus One movie. Remember that Plus oh, One Plus movie? Oh, Plus One was good, yeah. yeah. So that's why I was really like, Oh, Bridget Clarkson is in this, I see. Yes, she's bananas in it. Well, that's nice. Um, I didn't love the ending, but there's so much about this movie that's good. Okay. So that's... Um, I think we red boxed it. I don't remember. We it's I don't think it's streaming though. Um, but that's a recommend there. This would be my recommend if it was streaming. Got it. Good to know. I will keep my eye out for it. Yeah, it feels like a movie that should pop up on something. Sure. Maybe it is. Maybe we just didn't look I mean, well was it theatrical? It. It's 2018. <laughs> I guess it must have been. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Don't remember it. No, I didn't know I didn't anything. Either. About it. Um. When <clears throat> oh yeah, we were scrolling through the Redbox website, I think, and I the cover it was interesting, and then Zach clicked on it, and I was like, Topher Grace is in that. Let's watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, different things get different people to watch movies. I think he's charming. Eh, never a biggest fan, but I would watch oh, it for Mr. Clarkson. Look, he's very good in this. Well, that's good for him. This could, this could tip the scale for you. You could be like, I am a Topher Grace super fan now. <laughs> this is the one thing I've been waiting for my whole life to make that decision. Yep. <laughs> that's all. That's all I have. Too much Twilight to cut oh, my time. God, I just I feel bad for you. I just I would probably do like a what do they call it? Not an exorcism, but like when you have a ghost and you get the ghost out and like you cl- like this house is clean, you like a like spiritual cle- cleansing. Yeah, cleansing, I'd yeah. probably do that that's in my insane. apartment after watching um, those many of them. 
I definitely, I don't remember exactly what we watched right after, but I was like, I need, I need a break. I need something else yeah. not like this for a while. Yeah, I mean, AVP at that point looks like Citizen Kane, probably. That's true. Oh. Like, oh, aliens and predators? <laughs> I can't wait. So much better than vampires and boy werewolves. Oh, boy. Oh, the werewolves in the Twilight movies. I can't even. Can't even. Mm-hmm. All of the shirtless boys running around without shirts and cutoff and cutoffs. Can't. Just, can't. just for, forever without a shirt. Forever without a shirt. But with, I guess stretchy shorts. I don't know. No, their shorts explode every time they turn into wolves. And then they, I guess they just go find new ones in the forest. <laughs> they're, cause they, I forgot in Seattle, you grow those, right? Yes. They're yes, everywhere. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Denim short plants. <laughs> that is their second biggest export after grunge. Yep. All right. So what have I been watching? Not that much, but we'll go through it on uh, Netflix instant, a movie that everybody talked about like two months ago, I think including you. I think you thought it was okay, and I am totally with you on thinking it's okay. This was Veronica. Oh, yeah, it was okay. It was, like, was it me, or do you remember people going crazy for it? People went uh, they did. out of control they, for they, it. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, the it. scariest thing is on Netflix. Yep. It was just, like, a really simple possession exorcism-ish movie. And, mm-hmm. like, I liked the family. The only To me, the only interesting thing was that, like, I was invested in this character and I liked the family and I was kind of sad thinking something terrible was going to happen to them. Yeah. But it, yeah, I can agree with that. It wasn't that scary. I mean, it wasn't scary at all to me. It no, felt, I don't think it was scary. There was maybe like, if you're really sensitive to jump scares, I guess there were some good ones. None of them made me jump. Um, yeah, I just, it was fine. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'll leave it. It was fine. Yeah. Uh, we watched, um, for whatever, I think, I think Brandon had the disc from Netflix. We watched The Expendables 3. I don't know if I saw the third one. This is the one with Mel Gibson. Just why Maybe a lot I of did. people did not see it. Uh, I don't remember. Because we all rightfully said, fuck Mel Gibson. Did uh, you like it? It was okay. I mean, I think these are movies that have not lived up to what they should be yet. Yeah. Uh, because they, I mean, you look at the cast, you look at what they are, and these should just be a ball. And first one's fun, second one's fun, I think. I can't remember the second one other than Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, oh, okay, I don't think I saw the third one then. Okay. Because I know I, I know I saw the Jean-Claude Van Damme one. So what but... the third one does uh, is it kind of shifts it to, like, the young expendable. So Ronda Rousey is in it. 100% haven't seen it. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, it's fun to see her. It's Antonio Banderas is the best thing in it. He's in there, and he's fun because he's Antonio Banderas. I had, the one problem I had, I mean, all these movies are too long. I just, I couldn't really get into it. Like, it was on very quickly. I kind of started doing other things, but I was still watching it. I just was also doing my fresh direct order and whatever else I had to do that week. But the, I had this weird problem that, like, I don't know why it bothered me so much in this situation. But so it's Sylvester Stallone, and basically he kind of ditches his crew because he's worried that like he puts them in danger so he picks up a new crew and they're all young and so it's Ronda uh-huh. Rousey and two dudes and they're both white dudes and there was something really weird to me about it being like all white people suddenly in this movie that mm, had been yeah it had been very diverse and yeah. I just didn't I'm like you have two white guys <laughs> and they're not like their, their backstories aren't that interesting and there's no reason they both have to be two white guys that kind of look alike mm-hmm. so it was just a weird choice that really bugged me a bit um, but this, I don't know, it's fine. Like, it doesn't, 
it's not offensive. It's not great. It's it's fine. But, you know, if I think they're making four. I'll watch it the two years later on DVD as well. So, mm-hmm. um, another movie on DVD that we watch, actually on Blu-ray. So, which I had uh, seen once years ago. Speaking of Lee Pace, uh, this was one of his first big films, and this was The Fall by Tarzan. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, I. It, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I love. I mean, like every Tarsum, anything he touches, I love the visuals. I think this is yeah, one of the beautiful. most stunning films of the last twenty years. It is gorgeous, uh, and it's it's charming. It really does um, have this really great sense of whimsy about it. Um, I think it's the closest Tarsum has come to having a story and script that can match his abilities as a. Um, you know, visual filmmaker. I still don't think it's up to the level that it could be for him to make something. I think this man has the ability to make the most amazing film ever. Mm-hmm. I think he just hasn't gotten or chosen to get the right script for that. So this still, like, it, it you know, I'm, I find it charming, but I find, like, at the end, there's something lacking in the end where I don't feel like it takes me as far as I want it to, or as I think it does for some people. <laughs> but that could just be me. Because I know some people are very, find it very, very deeply moving. So, And it is gorgeous. It's so pretty. It is very attractive, yes. Um, on Amazon Prime, I picked a random horror movie to watch at the gym. And this I mentioned this last time, and it's true again. Another movie made in, like, 2013 that feels like it should have been made in 2005 when every horror movie was a Saw ripoff. This was called Starved. And uh-huh. Starved tells the story of three young people who end up traveling to this, like, abandoned town in Florida that's covered in sinkholes. And you know what happens in those abandoned towns? Bad stuff? Well, yeah. Specifically <laughs> bad stuff um, overseen by... A super intelligent, super crafty, um... Robot. Is it a robot? No, he's not a robot. He's like your jigsaw, (laughs) only he's like a Florida townie who just happened to have, in this abandoned high school, created a lair where he's really interested in finding out what people, how far people will go when they're starved. So what he does is he starves people, and then he has them them fight to the death. So it's kind of like Ray's meets Saw. Um, I wish you could see my face right now. <laughs> it, yeah. it really doesn't sound very good. No, it's not. Um, it's, I don't know. See, yeah, here's the problem. Is I am somebody who has probably seen more of these Saw ripoff, like, or Saw, you know, descendants than anyone. I remember there was a period of time, and it, this was around like 2008, 2009, where, like, I had just gotten Netflix, and I would just constantly, like, oh, there's horror movies I haven't heard of. Let me watch them. Let me mm-hmm. watch them. And everyone was usually, like, a one-word title, and the poster art was, like, teeth hanging by a string. And I remember there was Die, which was, like, dice, and it was about a crazy killer who kidnaps people and then rolls a dice to see who lives. Oh, Nine my. Dead with um, a Melissa Joan Hart about a crazy person who kidnaps six people, and they're all connected somehow, and they have to figure it out, but first he tortures them. And so, like, all of these movies, there were so many of them, and this movie feels exactly like that. It's this crazy killer who's super, super smart about creating really complex layers with TV monitors and all that stuff, 
Um, and it's just like, you look at him, you're like, dude, you're really intelligent. You could have done something with your life. Instead, you're just kidnapping people and making them fight to the death. So, because yeah. they're so hungry. Yes. Um, and it, like, there's a moment where, because the, one of the, so two of the people are a couple, and, you know, they're a young couple, and there's, oh, no, she's pregnant, but he doesn't know that yet, and so there's these, like, little complications of, like, oh, he's gonna put that, he's gonna pit them against each other, and there's a moment where the movie goes there, where, like, there's a sandwich, and he eats it, and he does, and he, like, before she can get to it, it's like, ooh, it's gonna be about, like, them losing trust in each other, and then it very quickly never abandons that, and they're back together, and it's never a thing again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, like, it's not terribly made. I, I don't think the director, like, he didn't, he made other things, nothing I'd heard of. So it's, it's not trash pile. You turn something on and after five minutes you realize, oh, this is like shot on video and I don't want to watch it. It's decently made. Um, the acting is well, okay. Well, that's good. Like the visuals are pretty good until they use CGI and then it's not as good. But it's just one of those like, okay, maybe you're, get these out of your system. Maybe you have the ability to make something good here. It's, you know, I don't really recommend it unless you're me and you're a completist and you're like, oh, there's a new Saw ripoff on Amazon Prime. I guess I should watch it. Because um, that's how I talk when I go to the gym. Okay. I also watched the best movie of all time. So, okay. I, I mentioned this already on the Facebook group. But as I said, like, it's summertime. I like a good beach movie. And it's been that kind of summer where I just want, like, cheerful kind of or like not even cheerful but like i want like upbeat mood enhancing things like i don't want like dark 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 and all that um so i wanted some kind of light-hearted beach romp and oh my god there's a horror movie on amazon prime called the sand and christine it's about killer sand really yes it is the best so a bunch of young hot people are partying on a beach is it really good or is it like LOL? Good. No, this it's is good. Yeah, it's me. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So these hot people wake up the next morning and they wake up like either in a car or like one guy is like stuck in a trash can because he fell asleep in there and like the, you know, his friends teased him and stuck him in a trash can. And then like two others are at the lifeguard station and they wake up and they're like, oh wow, we partied really hard. And they're like, let's go. One of them walks on the beach and all of a sudden gets like falls and gets their skin sucked off. Because the fucking sand is alive and it's flesh-eating. And this is a movie about people just trying not to get eaten by sand. It was everything I wanted in a horror movie about people not trying to get eaten by sand. Who even knew that that was, like... Seriously. Um, Like, could be a thing. Why not? Why not? It was kind of like... Think of, like, the raft segment of Creepshow 2. Like, that, but imagine it more fun... Uh, less rapey and about sand instead of um, goo in the water. They're not in the water. They're on the beach. And there's sand and it's trying to kill them. And it kills most of them. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. Brutally. Because it looks very painful. Uh, this, I mean, this movie is dumb as anything. It's like 78 minutes long. And again, like there's some recognizable actors in it. Like the, the acting's fine. Like they're just young, hot people screaming because they filmed it in like eight days. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And if you if these movies aren't for you, then don't watch it. But if you like a not great but like really over the top horror movie, this is everything you will want. So unless you're James and Angela who didn't like it, which shocked me. So <laughs> fuck them is all I have to say. 
All right, two more movies. One being The Strangers Pray at Night. Oh, yeah, I saw that you had watched that. Yes, I know you were a fan of it. <laughs> I liked it so much. I did you it. like it? I did, yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, I mean, similar to how I felt about the first one. And I think, in a way, the first one, I think, is a little bit better as a scary movie. I think the first one's a little scarier. I think this one benefited a lot from uh, two things. It looks great, and it does a really cool... The setting, like, I, hey, I've never seen a horror movie set in kind of an empty trailer park. And I think the visuals are really smart. Um, little things like the fact that these houses are built so cheaply that it's very easy to stab through the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the guy who did 47 Meters Down, which I talked about last time that I was not a fan of. But I think this shows, like, oh, no, he actually has a really good eye. It's things I liked. And I... The, I the family worked for me. It kind of being very focused on here's four people, here's their relationship to each other and terrible things are going to happen to them, but maybe they'll learn something along the way. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It worked for me. And it was fun to see, um, Freddie, Mike and, uh, Andy from Night Living Podcast in a scene in the I, diner. Yeah. I have to rewatch it because I didn't know that was happening and oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Yep. You can see Freddie's face pretty well. You see Mikey's head and then you see Andy's like, kind of Wilson-esque nosing up. So Aww. it's very cute. Yeah. So that was exciting. And then the last movie I would like to talk about, and I figure this is a good moment for us to um, delve into a longer discussion, because uh, I know you saw it, and I saw it finally, and that was Hereditary. <gasps> yes. So, I'm so glad you got to see it. So here's my thought. Do you want to talk about this a little bit right now? Yeah, I'm okay. nervous to hear what you're going to say. Oh, no, no, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Okay. I'm, I don't know if I loved it. I really, really liked it. Um, the I'm going to say, like, so I went into it deliberately plugging my ears anytime somebody talked about it, because I really yeah. wanted to see it without anything in my head. And the, like, I'm just so, because I'm so tired of how many trailers I've seen and then I see a movie and I can't get it out of my head I you know um so I really tried to not know anything about this going in and all I knew was Tony Collette was in it and it was really intense and it's now very divisive that was all I knew so Mm -hmm. went into it with that um I I'm gonna say so again I really liked it and now I'm gonna say let's talk in detail so spoiler alert Uh, so if you're listening at home and don't want hereditary spoiled then just fast forward, fast forward. I will try to put in the show notes at what, what the timestamp is for when we come back. Uh, or just fast forward, fast forward, and listen to when you hear music playing. That means we're moving on to the movies. Yeah, don't, don't get it spoiled, guys. No, don't, don't have it spoiled. Because it's... And it's a weird one, too, because it's one of those, like... And this would be true of The Witch, too, where, like, if I were to keep talk deliberately about the plot, like... Even that's not that much of a spoiler because so much of it is kind of yeah stuff around it that happens. Um, but so you had talked a little bit about it last time, and I can't remember exactly what you said. I think you you loved it, right? I liked it a real lot, and I found it deeply upsetting and disturbing. Yeah, I almost had a panic attack in the theater um, after. Again, spoilers, everybody. Yeah, spoilers. Say some things. After the daughter dies yeah. and Tony Collette is losing it on the floor, I, I was very uncomfortable and yes. had like trouble breathing. 
during that scene. Yeah. It was very upsetting to me. Um, And then there's just, so that was the most, um, because I thought this movie was going to be really like hard for me emotionally to deal with. Mm But then it ended up just being fucking terrifying. So that part was like upsetting. There's also a thing with the daughter where she has like a real, like a deathly food allergy. And like that was a bit of a trigger for me. Like I felt really uncomfortable about the food and like the when food is treated as a threat, that is something that rings really true for me. So that made me really upset. And so everything surrounding that made me uncomfortable. So I was just like this, like, baseline of discomfort the entire time and then when things start to really ramp up because i didn't know that this movie was really about the brother i thought it was going to be about the the girl like being possessed or being oh yeah that that i think is one of the best misdirects of the movie yeah is that it totally seems to focus on her and something is off about her and you know that from the beginning she's a weird kid but yeah, ultimately, well, like, that she's doesn't... like some kind of cipher. Like I thought, yeah. like she was gonna be like, like somebody like was gonna try to control her and make her do things or something. So when she's dispatched pretty early yeah. on, I like I'm like I don't know what this where, where is, is gonna this going? do. I don't know. Yeah. And then it focuses on the brother again. Still very upsetting. There a baseline of discomfort, discomfort and sadness and like feeling really angry anxious for this character but jesus it gets fucking terrifying (laughs) that there is when it really ramps up at the end when they're in the house and like all this stuff starts to happen with tony collette like you know where she's on the ceiling why are you scurrying about yeah it made me sick to my stomach i was so scared yeah it's this was this guy's first film oh my god it was so scary which is awesome. Like, that's one of those, like, and I mean, I said this about The Witch, too, but, like, where you this you come out of the gate, and you're just like, ooh, what the hell else are you going to do? Yep. Um, did you find it terrifying? Um, no, less so than you did, I think. Uh, I I agree with a couple. Of, so I think, like, I, I have never had a food allergy fear, because I am pretty, like, I, I have a stump, a stone of, a, a stomach of stone. I can eat anything. Um... But I will say that movie made food allergies terrifying to me, who's never dealt with one. Because that scene of her, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, they do this one shot of her face that goes by so quick. And it's one of those things where, like, I almost wonder, did I see what I think I saw? Or was it just my mind kind of doing that thing? Um, Where when she's in the car, before, you know, she gets decapitated, when she's in the car and... um, it, I, rem- I feel like I saw a shot of her face bloated and pink and awful, but I don't even know if that was there or if that was just what my brain kind of put mm-hmm. together. Um, so yeah, that had me, when that scene happens, it did, it just sucked my breath out. And you felt it in the theater. Like the theater I went to was not crowded, but it was like, there was a fair amount of people in there who were mm-hmm. dead silent. And you kind of like felt that energy. Um, with... Like, after that, the other, when it turns into really, I won't say it turns into a straight horror movie. It, I mean, it, this is a horror movie. This isn't, like, one yeah. of those cases where you can kind of, like, I, and I think you were bringing that up last time of, you know, you could assign, and I, I, maybe that almost, I don't, don't want to say that disappointed me. But I think what I found scarier would have been 
was Tony Collette doing all this? Was she going crazy? And when See, the movie sort of I, I like that, that it didn't do that. Yeah. Because we have so many movies that are so yeah, ambiguous. I mean, and the Babadook is a great example of that. And exactly. as I say that, which I love the Babadook, and I would probably put these neck and neck. I might I might have a preference to the Babadook. I don't know. Uh, but yes, if this, this had done that, then it may have been very easy to be like, oh, yeah, it was great. But, you know, it kind of reminded me of the Babadook. Yeah, it, I, and, and there, I think that, and it, this is nothing new, especially with, mo- like, movies with female protagonists, but, like, you know, mental health and, and yeah. horror, and, I mean, like, look, let's scare Jessica to death is, sure. like, the first thing that pops into my head. It's not anything new. There's a whole book about women in, in genre films. Right, with, hysteria and all that. Are they... Is it mental? Is it mental illness? Is mm-hmm. it really something supernatural? So for me, like, there's like literal buckets of movies that are like, yeah. Dude, was it all in her, her head? head? Yeah, yeah, that's but, fair. Like, this Very good point. Was like, nope. Hey, it's, <laughs> her mother well, this, was a fucking witch. <laughs> and and I totally get what you're saying because I don't know if it had if it was more ambiguous, I might have been. Well, I probably would have still really enjoyed it. I just thought it was. I don't want to say bold, but I guess yeah. kind of bold to be like, no, I'm at I'm the end of the day, I'm a horror movie. Yeah, it's a good point. I think there's a lot that um, this is a movie that will definitely benefit from repeat viewing or at least a oh, second watch. Oh, hundred percent. Because what I had said to Zach was like every scene where they were in school, oh, like yeah. All, the, it's all the, Greek, the lectures. Yeah, it's all Greek mythology yeah. and free will. And that, like, it, this was one of those things, I think because I went into it knowing, like, a little bit about how much people were talking about it. I'm like, I'm going to, like, I, okay, I don't know what this is, so I'm listening to every word of this movie. And so mm-hmm. I really did, like, and there, there is very little wasted. So in a way it made, like, as, you know, every detail does have a meaning. When Tony Collette walks into Ann Dowd's house and sees the, the mat and says, oh, my mother used to make those. You're like, oh, okay, that means something. And it does. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every scene of the kids in school, when the subject is, you know, um, fatal flaws and how we're all being controlled by the gods and which is sad, is it sadder if you're being controlled mm-hmm. or if you're not being controlled? And like, it's, oh, totally, it's the movie. And I think there's even more to it because I think on one hand... Um, yes, they are ultimately pawns, but there's one other part to that, which I think, um, is the thing that really, the thing I walked away remembering most about this movie is the scene early on where Tony Collette goes to the grief group, mm-hmm. the grief support group. And I mean, it's, it's a brilliant moment because it's Tony Collette and it's a moment that will, you know, should be her Oscar clip. And she's just going through the history of her fucked up family and saying, well, you know, my, um, you know, my brother killed himself because he thought my mother was putting people in him. And then you're like, oh, shit, she was. Um, yep. But the other part to that, and, and maybe it's just like this one line she has that just really spoke to me when she says, like, so I decided to come here because, you know, I, I can't talk to my family about it. They couldn't deal with it. I know they couldn't. And meanwhile, we meet her family and her husband could totally have dealt with it because yeah. he's totally there. For, and not that he would have known what to do, but we see that she has this really supportive, loving husband. Um, You know, we find out more of her complicated relationship with her son for different reasons, but -hmm. it's this scene where Tony Collette says, I can't put this on my family because they couldn't handle it. 
And I think that is so, like, I know, like, I do this as a person where I'm so convinced of, like, I don't want other people to worry. I've got this. Like, it's fine. I don't need to, I don't need help because it's just going to make things harder for everybody else. And you wonder, like, now when I look back to that, I'm like, oh, if she had reached out to her husband and said, something's wrong, this, 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 then he could have said, oh, and but you know what? Maybe you're right because your mother's grave was desecrated and this and this and this. And I, so I like, I think there was that kernel of, was she also self-destructive because, mm-hmm. you know, she, she, this was her fatal flaw. Yep. That was that, no, she's not going to ask for help because she thinks she can do it all by herself. Like she doesn't, tr- she loves her family, but she doesn't trust them. Like it just, that I think, and it might, might've just been one of those like personal things where it spoke to me that I latched onto, but I thought that made things so powerful mm-hmm. when you couple it with, Oh yeah, and also it's because we're all being controlled and all all of these things. But it's no, but you had a choice here. So, yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the, the kid was great. That was the kid from Jumanji. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that kid. He was He's great. real good. Yeah. Um. And and like heartbreaking too, because you man, yep. like that kid gets it really rough when you really think about things. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It'll be interesting upon rewatch. I think it will improve for me on rewatch. Uh, yeah, I I'm I really want to re- rewatch it, but I'm kind of scared. Oh, it'll be okay. <laughs> it'll be okay. Uh, but yeah, so that was hereditary. It's definitely recommended. Uh, God, please. I mean, at this point, it's too late because people have heard us talk about it. Try to see it without knowing anything about it because I think it makes it more special. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. So on that note. Uh, where do you want to go first? Do you want to go to uh, the 1980s or the 19... 2000s via the 1950s? 1950s via the 2000s. Lost Boys? Let's do Lost Boys first. Yeah, let's do Lost Boys. Let's go chronologically. Chronologically by year of film, not by year film is set. We got this. I won't grow up. I won't grow up. I don't want to go to school. I want to go to school. Just to learn to be a parent. Just to learn to be a parent. And recite Nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, the Lost Boys, I yes. think, is a starts as a script that's circling around quite a bit, uh, and ends up in the hands of Joel of Christine, three-time covered on the feminine critique, Joel Schumacher. Oh, I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know it was yeah, that many. We did Blood uh, Creek. Right? Blood, Blood Creek is his best known work. <laughs> And what was the other one? Oh, oh, you know the other one we did. Famous. No, we did his first what? film, Incredible Shrinking Woman. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot we did that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So I mean, he's not up there with Rennie Harlan just yet, but at some point in time, we may see. Actually, there's a problem. I don't think we physically can cover all of Joel Schumacher's films because in my wedding vows, I actually included. Um, the caveat that I would never uh, turn, I would never make Batman and Robin jokes anymore because I used to really like to make them to my husband. 
because that movie is the bane of his existence and I um, didn't realize that it actually hurt him when I would talk about that movie or show that movie on TV whenever it was on. So I actually promised him that I would never have it on in the apartment. So I don't know that I could ever watch it. I could watch it on a plane or like on a trip, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. So just putting it out there, this podcast will never cover Batman or Batman. Um, but so but I have is, no desire to watch it. <laughs> our third Joel Schumacher film, and this is like right when he's kind of kind of becoming a hot director, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you know he does um, you know Incredible Shrinking Woman, which of course all the hot young people loved. But then you, <laughs> you got DC Cab. You got between this, we have Saint Elmo's Fire, Cousins, Flatliners, and so on. So this is right when Joel Schumacher was cool. And we get one cool movie. Didn't watching this movie? Didn't you feel like, oh, this was what it meant to be cool in 1987? It's a pretty cool movie, yeah. and all the characters in it are pretty cool. Pretty cool, especially Corey Haim. Cool. Corey Haim is the coolest in this movie. Now yeah. everybody has their favorites. Um, I mean, mine is obviously shirtless saxophone guy. But <laughs> the way Corey Haim dresses in this movie is something. <laughs> T-shirt on. What did it say? Like, like shopping addict. Or yes. It's, what did it? I think it was. It was like born to shop or something. Born to shop. Right. <laughs> he was wearing a born to shop oh God, shirt. It was, to it was beautiful. And I mean, let's. I feel like we need to start with this because I think it's very key to a lot of his films. Joe Schumacher. It was and is, and at this time he was an openly gay man. And he actually came from a costume background. I think he started as a costume designer. And I mean, this movie has certainly like homo, as I mean, most Joel Schumacher films do, but the nature of this certainly has a lot of homoeroticism going on. But even just, I feel like watching this, I wonder um, if you were, if, if like young gay men looked at Corey Haim in this movie and kind of thought like, yeah. Just this character, because the character just kind of, like, just the way he dresses, this kind of, even just kind of his attitude, that there's something, and it's, it's like one of those cases where I feel like a lot of times that's the case, and it's because the actor often is. Um, but in this case, like, Corey Haim, I, I don't believe in any way was gay or ever came out as gay, but he just kind of feels like a really cool, like, young, budding so homosexual. I'm glad you said this. I'm so glad you said this because at one point I looked at Zach and I said, this is a really gay movie, right? (laughs) He was like, what do you mean? And I said, not like the, the obvious homoeroticism that vampire movies usually have. That we're just, we accept that now in any vampire movie. But like, it's real gay. And he's like, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. I mean, all his movies are kind of gay. And I was like, yeah, but I don't think I ever noticed it before. (laughs) And it made me like it even more. There's just this, this like, real like easy breezy attitude about this movie that yeah. i really appreciate well i mean even the whole sense of you know there is you know your female characters you have star who's jamie gertz her second jamie mm-hmm. gertz movie and you know she's there as this kind of dream girl but uh you know michael is obviously into her but like nobody else is into her like no. cory cory hames kind of pissed off that like oh god why would you bring a girl around here um, she's sort of set up where you think like, oh, Kiefer Sutherland and um, Jason Patrick nope. are going to fight not over her, but nope, not at all. Like, why? You know, they, you almost wonder. Like, and I think in, a, in an earlier draft, I think originally the characters were all supposed to be younger, and mm-hmm. I think there, like, there was no star or there was no female 
sort of um, Wendy character. I mean, there is a Wendy character that comes up later. Um, I guess let's we'll try to talk without spoiling the big reveal, and then we'll probably go into it because I think at a certain point you have to. But. I mean, it was a joke on The Simpsons, so I mean, I think we can spoil it at some point. Oh, yeah, at some point we have to because I think there's there's a lot within that that's kind of interesting. Um, yes. But yeah, and I mean, granted, I may say that the first moment I thought maybe Corey Haim's character is, is gay is because he has a really sexy poster of Rob Lowe. Uh, he has closet the sexiest on his Rob closet Lowe door, no less. Yep. Uh, and he's afraid of the closet, right? Right? He's afraid of the closet monster. <laughs> oh, the subtext. Right? It's there. And again, it's like, there. I mean, I, I say these things about Zack Snyder films, too. But it really, like, in this case where it's Joel Schumacher, it's, I think a lot of it was deliberate. In, in a good-hearted kind of, you know, like, really, like, positive attitude kind of about itself. Oh, um, we didn't do a synopsis, and I feel like you should give a rundown just because. Okay. Well, this movie is The Lost Boys, and I feel like if you haven't seen it by now, you should probably get on that. Yes. Um, it, this mom and her two kids move in with her dad, so their grandfather, in this, like, town in California. On the, in, the murder it's capital like the of murder the world. capital of the world, which can't be true, but whatever. Um, <laughs> That's kind of good, everybody. They, and apparently, like, it's, like, a weird town. It's a sleepy little town, but has a rockin' boardwalk, which rockin I couldn't boardwalk. rectify, but that's Hell fine. Yeah. Um, and they move there because, like, like the mom's out of money and she just got a divorce. It's Diane Weist. Yep. Weist. 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 Diane Weist. Okay. Oh yeah. Whew. Essentially playing the same part she played name. in Parenthood, but a little softer. It's fine. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, yes. I will take that Diane Weist any day of the week. It was. She's good. She's good she's in this. Adorable. Yeah. So they they you know then hilarity ensues. But it's like so there's Corey Haim, whose name I actually can't think of in the movie. And then his brother, Sam. Sam, and then his brother, Michael, whose name I will never forget because they say it 785 times. Um, did you look at the IMDb trivia? Because they give a count of how often it's said. It's, you're, it's oh, not that much, but it is in the hundreds, I think. I am so excited that somebody did that because like a quarter of the way through the movie, I said, if you took a drink, not a shot, a drink, every time they said his name, <laughs> would die because they just everyone says it michael michael they whisper it they michael. yell it they say mike they never forget his name anyway 780 he, the actual count is 118 <laughs> which considering like this movie is less than 118 minutes that is pretty that means more than <laughs> once a minute somebody's saying michael minute, yep um that's how all movies should be measured <laughs> um it pretty yes. rapidly, Michael falls in with a group of very rapidly. You might I say mean, there should have been a couple of scenes in between. We're like we're like fifteen minutes in, and like his relationship with them is weird. Like like he it's very antagonistic, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Let me just go chill in your underground lair," <laughs> and and then like. Um, he, you know, the, he eats the rice, it's really maggots, it's really rice, and then he drinks something, and oh, it's blood, and then weird stuff happens. And then there's a time jump, which I guess I never realized there well, was a time jump. because it's not framed as a time jump. 
And but it 100% is. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, one very clear thing is that there are a lot of deleted scenes in this movie. Yeah. Uh, You can tell that from a few reasons. One is, yeah, there's some like weird abrupt changes and that's the key one. Because I had seen this movie before, but I don't think I'd ever seen it sitting down beginning to end. I think I'd seen the first half and the second half and bits of it like all jumbled where I'd seen the whole thing, but I had never sat down and watched and thought, wow, the pacing's really weird. And watching it with Brandon for the first time, as soon as that happened, as soon as he wakes up the next day and he's a vampire, um, Brandon like pauses. He's like, did I miss something? I'm like, um, kind of, but it's not your fault. It's the movie definitely has deleted scenes in between. Yeah. And it, so I, so it doesn't say I, it's a time jump because it is in the final version we all see. It looks as if he drinks blood and then the next morning wakes up and he's a vampire. Cause that's the yes. way it's framed in the movie. They don't but, give you any time jump. But, but then Sam says something like you've been acting weird. Like there's, there's yeah. language that indicates that he's been, he's been weird for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So like we just said, Oh, there's a time jump and just accepted it. But yeah, it's very abrupt. Yeah. Uh, the way I could tell that he's a vampire. Pretty much. Well, a half vampire, right? Yes, because in this movie, you're not a whole vampire until you kill somebody. Yes. Yes. So Jamie Gertz's character, uh, Star, and the young child, Laddie, who is also half vampire, all stay half vampires because they have not fed themselves, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so there's still hope for them if you kill the head vampire. Yes. Yes. Um, the see, I could tell there were deleted scenes because when the credits start, I'm watching it and I see Kelly Jo Mintner's name go by. Yep, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember her in this movie. And so Kelly Jo Mintner, for many people, would know her from Nightmare Five, from uh, uh, Popcorn, from yep, people. Popcorn is what I know her from. Uh, yeah. She is, I think, a very interesting actress because she is, I think, the rare black actress to survive every horror film she is in. She survives Nightmare 5. She survives Popcorn. Like, she never dies in movies. And it's one of those, like, well, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, and you notice it because usually the black woman does. And as soon as I saw her name, I'm like, oh, great. And watching it, there's one scene where I see her. She's the video store clerk, right? Yeah, she's behind Diane Weiss. And I think, I can't even remember if she has a line, but I don't think she does. But she's there and I see her. I'm like, oh. And then as I'm watching it, I pull up the IMDb trivia because I start looking through. And I see, sure enough, that is her only scene because there were other scenes that were cut. Yeah, it makes sense. She, I believe she's the video store clerk in the opening when Diane comes in looking for a job. Okay. And the... The, all the boys, the vampire boys, come in, and they're like, ta- they're like, we come here to see you or something. And right, then like, right. I'm pretty sure she's in that one. And then later, when yeah, you just see another, her behind, but Diana like she's basically. just in the background. And you're right, she doesn't have any lines. And I, when I saw her name in the in the opening, I was like, oh, I forgot, yay! Because yep, yep. I think I knew this was one of her credits. And then I was like, wait, she's not really even in this. Yeah. So there's definitely stuff that's cut. And I was watching uh, most of the scenes you could see on YouTube. For the most part, you can tell a lot of them are just pacing. And mm-hmm. then there's um, the other thing that's very clear, and we'll get into this when we get into the spoilers of it. There's like two or three scenes that were cut clearly because maybe they give a little too much away. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, but so, uh, yeah, would you call it horror movie or horror comedy? If you had to pick between the two, I'd call it just a straight 
straight horror movie, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, like, I think it's absurd, and I do think, like, the grandfather's really funny, and, and I do think that there's humor to it, but I don't think it's, like, Shaun of the Dead, where, like, there's jokes. Yes, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say it's a comedy. Um... Is it meant to scare you, do you think? Or is it just meant to entertain you? Because I don't know there's, there's... I don't know. I mean, I guess the finale gets pretty... Um, the, the, there's some gory shit in the end. Like, yeah. in the bathtub holy water. Yeah. And when, like, all the pipes explode. And, like, the scene where he has to go out and get Nanook. Yeah. Um, that That's that really so tense. Great. That dog's fucking yeah, great. Yeah, so And, like... There's some there's some vampire stuff, especially with David, where like they do look scary. The vampire makeup is scary. It is, and you know who did it? Who? Uh, v Neil. Oh no! Really? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Brandon oh, saw her name so in the credits, good. and I got very excited. Oh, I didn't. I yeah. we I don't think we watched the credits. I think we just went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's but, um, and and I think. This is a movie, too, because I was trying to remember whether this came after Near Dark. They actually came out the same year. They're both 87. Oh, interesting. And I think it's interesting for a lot of reasons, because I think Near Dark is very much... The, it's a, it's, I mean, excuse the pun, but it is a darker telling of this story. Because, <laughs> I mean, you have very similar in terms of style, in terms of it being kind of almost a punk movie in a way, and having a child vampire but then you think of what near dark does with that and it's so much darker and bleaker but at the same time you look at the vamps in both you look at the makeup you look at the kind of even styling of there's somebody drilling outside my apartment i apologize if that's being heard it right sounds now. like you're shaking a, a a cabinet filled with glassware uh that is what i usually do on friday nights but when i <laughs> podcast i try to be more respectful of my audience and i don't no, for some reason they're like doing road work outside, which is awesome. That's weird. It's late. Yeah, you, yeah, right. Because nine thirty p.m. on a Friday is definitely when you should be doing construction in a residential weird. neighborhood. Welcome to New York, everybody. Um, but so, Near Dark and Lost Boys both have a lot of sort of vampire style that became so. Po- and granted, they're both, I guess, now ten years after Interview with the Vampire was published. But then you think of like Buffy and. I, I always think of Buffy as um, taking a lot from your dark, but then watching this and realizing, like, oh, duh, Spike is totally Kiefer Sutherland instead. Exactly, yep. Yeah. And so there's influences, certainly, that this movie had lasting. And as you said, there's Simpsons references and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was originally um, supposed to be directed by Mary Lambert, who did Pet Cemetery. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I would have watched that movie. I'd be really interested what she would have done with it. Um, I think, you know, not, not to, again, like, do that weird gendered thing, but I think this movie, like, this is very stamped as a Joel Schumacher movie, I think, in many ways, and I think him coming at it maybe as a gay man, I think, brings a certain sense of that, and it makes it very mm-hmm. interesting for that. I think Mary Lambert coming at it, uh, kind of the way Mary, not Lambert, who did, who, what's the, uh, Mary Harron does... American Psycho with a female perspective on a very male story. Mm-hmm. I think a female perspective on this story would have also been interesting, but that's not the movie we got. So I'm happy with the movie we got. Though. Me too. Yeah, it's it's fun. It, it is very flaw- very imperfect. I guess like there's a lot of different scenes around it, but it's really enjoyable. I think, and it's very cool. 
It is so cool. Right. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of the characters because I think they're all pretty memorable in different ways. Uh, the vampires. Yes. So Kiefer Sutherland makes a pretty fucking cool vampire. He does. He looks great too. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he's like to me, he's basically Ace from Stand by Me as a vampire. Only like even less <laughs> spoken. Like that's so like, funny. I mean, what yes. did Kiefer Sutherland do in the eighties? He played scary bullies who would he kill did. you if he, if he had the chance. And like, he actually has very little dialogue in this movie, and he doesn't need it because he has the right look and presence that you immediately buy him as this sort of evil Peter Pan character. Mm -hmm. Uh, The minions. So we get young Alex Winter, which is fun. Love it. He's my favorite. Mine too. Yeah. Mine too. Uh, And we also get Billy Worth, who um, we would know from Body Snatchers. Oh, yep, yep. Zach pointed that out. I was like... He looks familiar, and then he had to go look and tell me why I knew him. <laughs> Again, another guy with a very distinctive face. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, and so it makes, like, I mean, again, like, we're saying it's a cool movie. Like, it's a really cool movie. Like, it's cool. I mean, one of the vampires has twisted sister hair, and they call him on it. Like, they do. It's really good. Yeah. It's very, like, I know you I know you keep saying it's cool, and it is, like, cool, but it is <laughs> of a, it's, really of a time oh, yeah it, but in a way that that doesn't feel like when you watch it later other than the saxophone guy yeah. um doesn't feel cheesy it feels like oh this is of a time this is like a period piece but yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like forced it doesn't feel like yeah we're trying to make this be radical 80s movie yeah it, there, it just there feels is like that was the aesthetic yep, yep yeah absolutely i'm trying to think of like Oh, God, what would be a, a comparison, both good and bad? Like, uh, Clueless, for example, which I'm a fan yeah. of Clueless, but Clueless, like, is very much trying uh-huh. to be cool, like, create its own lexicon of the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. People didn't really talk like that. Uh, people didn't really dress like that. That wasn't really what the 90s was like, but there's a certain exaggeratedness to it. Whereas, um, I don't know, just because it's, another 90s movies cruel intentions for example like okay yeah that's kind so of more 90s. like that's that's yes. 90s like yeah that's and if you watch it today and especially if you were a young person watching it today right like we were uh, talking with somebody about how like apparently friends has become really popular with millennials like that are going back and watching mm-hmm. it on netflix and the things that they take from it being like just kind of interesting how generationally you look at it differently but even just the style sort of oh like the style is silly in some cases where it seems very outdated, like what the women wear, for example, but at the same time you're like, Oh, but I get why that was cool in the nineties. And I think that's kind of what this movie does where like, yeah, it's over the top, but I, but no, people, people would have dressed like that. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Vampires would have been totally had hair like that. Oh, totally. Yeah. They were rebels. They were the ultimate rebels. They were the lost boys. Because the, they ha- they were vampires. Yeah. And the Peter Pan-ness about it, I think, like, I'm I'm a Peter Pan fan. Like, I really enjoy Peter Pan stories and, like, dark tales inspired by it. And this, like, you really can draw that parallel in really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, along with that, I feel like we have to get to the spoilers. Yes. So, people, if you haven't seen Lost Boys, which it's streaming on Netflix, so you just pause 90 minutes and watch it. Uh, we are going to spoil the big reveal of the movie. So if you don't want it revealed, then fast forward until you hear music and then come back. 
Um, now, Christine, what is the big reveal? The big reveal is that for some reason we all assume that the head... Va- well, I know why we assume that, because <laughs> they address it pretty early on. But um, we all think that the head vampire that you have to kill to make everybody go back to normal is Kiefer Sutherland, a.k.a. David. And it's not. It's the guy that owns the video store that um, Michael and Sam's mom has been dating. It's Edward Herman. Who dresses amazing in this movie. I'd forgotten that. Now, he's very cool, too. Yes. And, like, the whole thing, it's like, it's Edward Herman. He's supposed to be a square. But then you realize, like, yeah, but he owns a video store. Yep. Um... And so now, do you remember the first time you watched it? Were you, did you see that coming? Were you surprised? No, I was surprised. Yeah. I was very young when I, when I first saw this and okay. I was, I was genuinely surprised. It stuck with me. Yep. That to me is, is the, a great example of a twist or, you know, like just like total 180. Right. That story, you know, like, well, now I don't know what I just watched. Yeah. A victim, where, where you know, what? How, how he starts referring to them as his boys. Mm-hmm. So, like, how involved in their lives or after lives were was he? Like, right. what were the circumstances? Yeah, like, what made him want to convert a bunch of wily teenagers into yes, his young men? Yeah. Well, and that's so. I remember the first time I watched it, being really shocked by the being like, "Whoa!" And then watching it this time around. I really like they're like I'm like trying to look at Brandon and see if he figures it out because the whole time I'm like oh it's so obvious when you watch it now because yeah. you know I invite you in. like he blatantly says am I invited in and like all these little things and then I guess Brandon at the end I'm like so did you see that coming he's like no not until uh, the end when they were when he was having dinner with her I was like oh okay I guess it's not that obvious I guess yeah. you know once you know once you know it you see the clues there uh, and they never but- cheat. It gives you every reason to believe the movie. Yes, yes. Like, and the, they do, like... They when, test so him, yeah. Corey Feldman's also in this movie. Yes, we haven't even gotten <laughs> to the Frog Brothers. Um, so they, they test it. They try to see, you know, if he has a reflection or if he is okay eating garlic or yep. whatever. Um, so, like, okay, there you go. Checked yeah. off the list. And, cause they, and that's a new rule they make for the movie, which I kind of dig, which is... Oh, once you invite a vampire in, uh, yeah, stuff doesn't count, basically. Although then, now I'm trying to remember, because how do the rest of the vampires get in at the end? I think that, I'm, I assumed that, especially based on what he said, that you can go into a house if you're not invited, but you're susceptible to vampire <gasps> Ooh, shit. Ooh, that might be, that makes sense. That clears that up. Okay. Um, well done. So the deleted scenes are, there's three deleted scenes that are totally kind of, like, are pretty blatant giveaways. One is, um, there's a scene where Diane Weist is exiting the video store at night, and Kiefer Sutherland and his gang come up on their motorcycles, and they just start, like, circling her. And she starts getting freaked out, and then Max comes out of the video store and just, like, walks out, and they all go away. And granted, you kind of had that scene earlier, but two of them is kind of like, why are these kids so afraid? Why are these, like, supernatural, monstrous vampires yeah, so afraid of Yeah, why do they keep showing scene? me this? Um, there's another scene where, then uh, this is one of the scenes with Kelly Jo Minner dialogue, where her, they're ta- her and Diane Weiss are talking, and they're talking about Max, and Diane Weiss says something like, oh, I thought he'd be here today, and Kelly Jo Minner says, like, oh, no, he never works days, he only works at night, so you're like, oh, okay. 
that's a little bit of a giveaway. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, it's I'm probably just a reveal a little too early, is not, not necessarily a reveal, but maybe just pacing. Um, so when Diane Weiss goes to his house for dinner, she's you know she walks in the house and basically it's like Michael Jackson's Neverland, where oh, he really? opens the door and he's got a jukebox and a pool table and video games, and it's just so not an apartment for a forty-something-year-old single man. And, so does he like to lure boys? Well, that's the thing. And that's like one of those cases where, and I know there have been sequels and I think there were probably even like comic book spinoffs and everything. Um, I, like you really, cause you, we, we ultimately don't know much about Max, right? We know for whatever reason he has, he has been recruiting young men to be his sort of, his lost boys. And then at a certain point he decided they needed a mother there, which is very Peter Pan, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, we never really know how old he is or when he started doing this or why here, why now, all of that stuff. Um, and it does, it just, I mean, it makes the character interesting because you just kind of wonder these things. Yeah. it's, it's it, it opens up a whole different, like, part of the movie that you just never get. Yeah. Which yeah. is, which is fine, but like, it makes, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, who chose to make Star a vampire, I always kind of wonder, and who chose to make yep. Laddie a vampire? Because yep. you you see throughout the movie, like, a whole lot of, um, and this is another kind of just fun thing, like, I mean, Schumacher gets, you know, sometimes a little carried away with production design, um, but in this, like, just that carnival background always works, and just in every scene where there's anything that could give you a missing child sign, you get a missing child sign. Yep. And it just aids it. Like, it's just this constant sense of, like, yeah, they're in this area where children are constantly being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, or turned into vampires, if you will. And I love at the end when the grandfather's like, <laughs> uh, like, yes, I hate all the vampires here. Like, the, 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 the thing common I hate about knowledge. Santa Cruz, yeah. Common knowledge about that is, again, like, to me, ver- like, has very much impacted the type of stories I like and the type of stories mm. I like to tell, it's like a whole other thing was happening that you never even knew about. Like, he knows there's vampires. So how does he know? And why does he still live there? And what does he do to protect himself? Right. And why did he, he to tell his, his grandkids? Exactly. Did he just assume it was common knowledge? Like, why? It's so weird. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. No, it is. It's a good, like, you know, quirky old people in movies kind of can go a lot of ways. But in this one, like, I, they kind of establish early on he's, he's eccentric and do a lot with production design to kind of get that through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just ends up being really fun. Yeah. Um, the, I think, the one other thing of interest, just because it was kind of a connecting thread, was Thomas Newman did the music to the movie. Um, and he also did the music for Six Feet Under, which is why I'm like, oh, Lauren Ambrose connection. But I wonder if a lot of the score was cut, because it feels like most of this movie is just rock songs. Yeah. And and very much music video style, which, again, was the style yep. of the time, and that's what Schumacher was coming from. Um, I asked, because Schumacher was also a big comic book fan, obviously. And I asked Brandon during the <laughs> scene where the Frog Brothers are kind of, like, interrogating Corey Haim. I paused it, I'm like, so is that is that, like, right? Like, are those, like, numbers right and everything? And... Brandon wasn't sure, so I'm like, oh, so does Joel Schumacher know more about comic books than you do? Um, and then I just got a glare after I said that, so, you know. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot to like here. 
yeah, I, I agree. It's it was a really fun revisit. Just yeah, just a. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it wasn't miserable. No, thank you. I hope you feel the same way shortly when we talk about the next mm. movie. Yes. Oh. Um, all right. So on that note, why don't we give the Lost Boys a rating? Quality of film. Um, seven point five. I was thinking straight seven for me. Yeah. Yeah. Quality of life. Um, eight point five. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go seven point seven five. Oh. I enjoy it a lot, but I don't yeah. know that it's like the ascending level for me. Honestly, if the last. 10 minutes weren't what they are it it would be much lower i'm i'm telling you that shit changed my life wow the reveals and like mm-hmm. that was the f- the first time i had ever thought like oh stories don't have to be told in a straightforward way sure, yeah like it's just it was just really revelatory yeah. for me so well that's even why something I that i really by. like about it like we're saying it kind of rewrites its own vampire rules which is fine and it works is that even the whole um oh, every vampire, when they die, it's different. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen when they die. So this guy blows up, and this guy, you know, gets, you know, sucked up, and all that was pretty cool. And as as I'm saying this, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, but I do kind of want, like, you know, a vampire story about, like, the sadness of it all. I'm like, yeah, and I have a hundred of them. (laughs) I have Byzantium. I have uh, um, your dark. I have a whole bunch. So, yeah, like, this is just kind of like your, your fun rock version your cool version it is definitely cool yeah all right good times we're gonna take a break and come back and go to a psycho beach party may god bless and keep you always may your wishes all come true May you always do for others and let others do for you. May you build a ladder to the stars and climb on every rung. May you stay forever. to the year 2000. Uh, Then from 2000, we go sort of back to the 60s, or 1987. There's a lot of things going on here. (laughs) Psycho Beach Party, based on Charles Bush's play, Psycho Beach Party, which was written in 1987. Set in the 60s. Movie made in 2000. Do you have that straight? Good. No, not at all. Christine, tell the people what this movie's about. (sighs) This movie is about a lady, a girl, if you will, played by Lauren Ambrose, um, who wants to be in with the in crowd and wants to learn how to surf. And 
lots and so there's all these kids and surfing kids and her old friends so you have this crazy cast of characters and then um there people start to get murdered mm-hmm. and yeah it's very campy very campy. and very and very silly and um it's it's not really a spoiler i guess but like the Lauren Ambrose character has multiple personalities, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Is what, what she's doing. Yeah. And uh, stuff, she has stuff two, happens. Two other personalities and Bowman. Uh, a, yeah. um, what a, a sort of 40s era strong Joan Crawford esque type. And I forget the name of the other one, but the other one is um, uh, sort of a. What is she, like a checkout girl? Um, at Safeway, yeah. At Safeway, so this, yes. This, this movie. <laughs> so, uh, so Psycho Beach Party is directed by Robert Lee King, who, this was his first film. I don't, he's not really a filmmaker. Uh, he also did something called Bad Actress and then short films. I think he was more coming from theater and other things, and now I'm going to say I really like this movie. I just think it's fun. It, it, this movie is going to work for you or it's not going to work for you. Um, but even with it working for me, I do think this movie deserved a better director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Christine. Oh, yeah. It was, it, it, the, it, the quality of the filmmaking is really poor, in my opinion. Yeah. There's weird framing things. There is that... weird transitions. When scenes end, they just end and turn to black and then another scene comes up. And, like, the sound isn't great, mm-hmm. and, like, there's, like, sh- long shadows cast across people sometimes, not yes. on purpose. Um, there's a, a scene where Lauren Ambrose is, um, I think it's when she's in Ann, doing channeling Ann Bowman, and she's got, like, her arms in the air, and she's, you know, doing this whole thing with her arms, and her arm is just covering her face. And it's the kind yeah. of thing where, no, any director is going to tell you, okay, we're going to do it again, but I'm going to move. I need you to keep your hand here, and I'm going to, camera's right over here. So here's your light, here's this. And she's just blatantly covering her face, and it's, you know, that's not an actor. An actor doesn't always know where everything is, and it was a director's job exactly. or somebody on the crew's job to say, okay, wait, this doesn't look right. Let's, let's redo that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this, I think, direction-wise... And it also, you know, I mean, this is a broad, um, it's, it's a drag movie without, the, it, there is drag in it. So it's written by Charles Bush, who is not, a, not wasn't, isn't a drag queen, but is a writer, actor, performer who has done a lot of work where he does a lot of gender bending. So he, um, he wrote, again, when he, he wrote this uh, as a play and he played the part of Chiclet. On, no, I don't think it was ever Broadway. I think it was off Broadway. But so, I mean, he played Chicklet. Chicklet was written to be a drag queen, essentially, which makes sense. Um, in the movie, he plays the part of Monica. He plays the police detective investigating mm-hmm. everything. And, I mean, he's, he's obviously a man playing a woman. But to me, it works in this because it's, um, you know, I, this is an over-the-top drag movie. It's similar to, you've seen Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, right? Of course. of course you have. Have you ever seen that with or talked to somebody who like didn't get it or did it didn't didn't click for? Um and I don't think so, but I could totally Yeah. I could totally see it not working for people. Uh, when um Mike did a projection booth episode on Elvira Mr. of the Dark 
And I think both of his guests were so clearly, like, not for that movie. Like, they weren't Elvira fans. They weren't oh, drag fans. I and don't it really get was it. one of those things where, like, I remember, like, saying it to, like, telling him after, like, like, wow, it was really different to hear this discussion because it was so frustrating when you're sitting there thinking, like, you know, how's your head? Haven't I any complaints? Like, yeah, but um bump That's a drag joke. And yep. when you have people talking about the movie and they don't, not like, oh, I don't get the joke, but I don't find the joke funny. Yeah, Then it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, God, then I don't want to hear you talking about this movie. And, you know, so I think Psycho Beach Party is kind of that. I, I don't think it's at the level of Elvira. I don't think it's it's there. It's not, it's not as smart. Um, and not even that it's not as smart. It's not as good a movie. And I really do mean that. I think, you know, this movie didn't have as good a director as it had a, a script and mm-hmm. cast. Um, I mean, Lauren Ambrose, I th- I love in this movie. She she was so good. Yeah. She is also hung out to dry a lot. Like, yep. she's doing everything she can. Um, you know, and I mean, it is, this is the kind of part that on one hand, like, as an actor, like, you kill for. On the other hand, it can destroy you, in a sense, if you, and it's not even if you don't do it right, but if you're not supported, right? You think mm-hmm. of um, Elizabeth Berkley in Showgirls, it, Elizabeth Berkeley could have given probably a, a genuinely, um, by, you know, conventional standards, great performance in that movie, but that's not what she was directed and edited for, right? Instead, it's a different mm-hmm. performance because that's what that movie ends up being. And I think in this case, I mean, she's a delight and she has given it her fucking all. Uh, but there are scenes where you think, She's doing everything she can, but this movie should have done something with lighting, with sound, with music, to make this transition actually feel like she's summoning this other person. And I think Mm -hmm. she does it the best that any human being could do. I think a better movie would have used filmmaking to support her more in it. Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. And I don't really feel like... So, um... So Nicholas Brendan, who I will just refer to as Xander from here on Why out, not? is in this. That's what he is. Um, and then the guy in this is Greg from Dharma and Greg. I do not know his real Kanaka. name. Kanaka or Thomas Gibson. Thomas Gibson. Kanaka Thank you. Gibson. So he is like the the surfing so like guru or whatever in this. Yeah, he talks yeah. in rhyme like a beatnik. In my opinion, he is the only one in here who matches her performance. I think that the actress playing her mother and I think the actress playing the actress. Oh yeah. She's great. Yeah. I, I think there's other, she, I, her, her mom's great. Her mom's not in it enough though. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, the mom is great. Has a wonderful voice, has a very Kathleen Turner esque voice and the woman who plays. Yeah. She's from Spring of the Teenage Woods. Oh, 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 okay. Okay. I wonder if I, I love her. her. Yeah. She's great. Um, the, what is the name of the actress playing the actress? Uh, Bettina Barnes is the actress. Kimberly Davies. Yeah. And she also just, I think, goes for it. And she's great. And I, again, this is also from the original script. But I love the whole, you know, kind of... What this movie does, it's... It's really channeling and honoring and parodying all of these things. And it's beach movies. It is... 50s monster movies with female villains, um, with, with female misunderstood villains who are products of society. Uh, it's, so it's like all of these great things and all these things I love, and it's all there. 
And I do think some of the cast rises to the occasion. Uh, I agree. I think the men don't. <laughs> I think the only man that no, does but, is and the thing Bush. is, she's, she's maybe, she's in the movie a lot with the surfing guys. Yeah. Like, she doesn't play against the actress very often. Yep. She plays against her best friend, her former best friend, a decent amount. And she's good and likable and hits, I think, hits the funny Yeah, she feels very, yeah, like, so much of this, again, like, you could see it on stage. And I feel like all the stuff with Verdeen yeah. feels like, oh, yeah, I could totally see, I know which, which girl in high school would have played that part type thing. So you were saying when uh, Chicklet is with the surfer guys, it's 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 tough because no one is really matching like her. I said matching her performance. Yep. So it it feels really awkward and is kind of boring to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that Nicholas Brendan is awful in this, and it makes me think that I just don't like him at all. Well, I think in real life he's kind of an asshole. So there's that part. <laughs> There's that. But we also watched another movie he was in that wasn't Buffy. Coherence. And he's not good in that either. I think he's one of those actors who, you know, doesn't act but just plays the same part. Because in this, you couldn't... I I really think if you watched a scene from this and maybe, like... Actually, no, you could have watched the scene where he's talking about his relationship with Marvel Ann. Could have just been a scene from Buffy. Yep. Because he really just doesn't, yeah, he's not going for anything different. Um, and I mean, there's there's always that sense with a movie like this where everything's kind of over the top is the whole, okay, earnestness, right? As an actor, you know, do you play it straight or do you play it over the top? Mm-hmm. Or do you, you know, kind of, you know, where do you find that line of balance? And I think it's different for different actors. And I think that's another kind of problem of directing in this case, where he doesn't have everybody on the same page. Yeah. So, you know, like, really, everybody should be kind of bouncing off of Lauren Ambrose because that is mm-hmm. setting the tone for the movie. So you have Charles Bush do, is working fine because his character comes in as this sort of almost character from a different movie, but it's it's perfect because the fact that it's clearly a man playing a woman gives it this kind of twist. He plays it really, really serious, except the dialogue is always very kind of biting and mm-hmm. double-layered, so it oh, it works. Um, and I think, again, the mother character and Bettina also do that, where they're given big, broad things to play, and they play it, but they play it earnestly. But then all most of all the young characters just kind of play it like they're in an episode of One Tree Hill, in a sense. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we got a young Amy Adams. This is our second yep. young Amy Adams movie. You remember her in Drop Dead Witches. I do. Her first movie, yeah. right? And, again, she also doesn't get to do much. She gets to dance, which is kind of great. She's in it, and then she's not. Yes. It's it's weird, because it feels like she's an important part of it, and then she's just, just kind of goes away, yeah. Yeah. Um, same with, so Kathleen Robertson who played, honestly, my favorite character in Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, yeah. That, she was Claire. That's what she's from. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She was Claire for a few years, who I think was really, like, if I really think back, like, no, if I could be anybody on 90210, I think I would aspire to be Claire. And in this, she basically plays the mean girl in a wheelchair, which yep. is fun, but I feel like they could have gone bigger with. Mm-hmm. I just feel like she could have been even that. meaner and had even more biting lines. Um 
Yeah. So I think th- there's there is a disconnect. And I, again, like I I don't mean to just keep heaping things on this director, but it does feel like you know in I'm trying to think of who's the right person to do this would have been um, not a John Waters because that's almost a step too far, but yeah. you know somebody like a, a step back maybe like this could have really been just undeniably fun and juicy Mm -hmm. Uh, and it doesn't quite get there because it's just not a good enough movie for the material and what it has are you i agree with that are you happy that it was not a musical because i think i i can never remember and always think it is a musical I don't think I could have taken it if it was a musical. I found this movie to be so boring and so insufferable at times that I think I would have lost it if it had been a musical. Really? So what, um, where did you find it like ebb and flow for you? Were there things that brought you back in and things that put you out? Pretty much just her. Um, she, she was the only reason that I didn't turn it off. Mm. Honestly. Um, and Greg from Dharma and Greg looked really attractive in this, which I had never noticed before. But, like, I didn't care about the story at all, ever, at any point. I thought it was convoluted and stupid, but not in a fun way. Um, she was just really good. And I know she's good, yeah. but, like, she was delivering, and it was all there. And I was like, yes, yeah, she's good, so I'm going to keep watching this. But, like, the plot was silly, and... I, 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 at one point, there's a luau, and then I stop. I really stopped caring. There's reveals, and I was just like, "Yeah, all right." Oh. And then there's like a twist, and then another twist, and I was just like, "Oh, is this over? <laughs> Can we be done with this?" <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't. I didn't love it. That's fair. That's fair. I was concerned. I thought, you know, when I because I knew this would go one way or the other for you. Um, and when I first kind of picked it, I thought, I'm like, I have a feeling Christine's not going to like it. But then when I was watching it, and it had been, I mean, this movie came out in 2000. I think I watched it on cable in like 2001. So it had been a really long time since I watched it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I also, it had been a long time, and that's going back like 17 years. It was before I think I was more in tune with camp and drag culture, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I, you know, watching this as a teenager or young 20-something, I don't know that I would have really gotten that, you know, this over-the-top, I think I would have known it was deliberate, but not that, like, no, but it's even deliberately bad in a sense. You know, like, when you, again, when you watch, and you and I are both big fans of RuPaul's Drag Race, whenever they do sketches on the show, it's, I mean, that's what it is. It's over-the-top, everything is a double entendre, every... You know, nothing quite is natural. Like, that's a big part of it. And now I get that. And so when I watch this now, it just, yeah, the whole thing should be a drag show. And you know what? All the women should have been played by men, maybe. Um, Yeah, I I just, I wish it had been, like, quicker, smarter, funnier. Yeah. um, More clever. And then I probably would have loved it. I definitely didn't dislike it as much as I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to find it intolerable. (laughs) But there are definitely good things in there. It just wasn't enough. The runtime felt much longer than it actually was. Fair. Yeah, I think, again, like, it's a case where you wonder, 
how does it work on stage? And I've, I've never seen it done on stage. Brandon saw a production at some point. I think on one hand, um, the, it's, you know, it's clearly broad and big and designed for that kind of audience. And, and it's also, I think again, where I keep kind of harping on the direction is wrong for this because it's, almost as if the script is written in a way to pause for laughs and kind of have things hit where they should hit on mm-hmm. stage, which is different when you put it on film. And I don't think it fully um, kind of makes that turn into, okay, what worked as a stage production? Now we have cinema, right? And they do some fun things, like all this, whenever they're surfing and it's just them, you know, kind of making wacky moves with a back screen behind them, like, that has me chuckling because I'm stupid and I find that amusing. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know what? You're you're a film now. You could really go bigger with a lot of this stuff. You could yeah. have more dance scenes. You could have more flashes to 50s films and all that. And I, you know, it just it's not a good enough film to really know how to do those things. And then mm-hmm. it's also kind of, you know, doesn't know necessarily how to transition its script from stage to screen. So just, I think like you're saying, the timing is off here and there. And yeah, it, it absolutely, I, I don't disagree. It still works for me. Um, but I can easily see that, yes, there are, there are flaws here. And in a better editor and better director's hands, this I think could have really popped and been like a real camp classic as opposed to like, uh-huh. it's a camp classic. But, you know, it's, it's, it didn't do, it's not, um, I don't know, even know what to compare it to. Like, as far as a movie like that, that actually was great, that, you know, didn't uh, deserve to be treated the way it was type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought, I felt like, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I was so harsh, hard on it, because when it when you show that you can do something right, yeah, it, and then you don't do other things right, I'm like, well, now there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, and it it does. It has a lot of elements that are great and make it really enjoyable, but they're Mm -hmm. not served by everything. Um, A a fun, I remember an interview with Lauren Ambrose on NPR from like 10 years or 15 years ago or so. And I don't remember her talking so much about this movie, but I remember one of the things that was brought up was her hair and how like Lauren Ambrose has beautiful red hair. And, um, she, like, she brought up how, I guess, at some point, you know, like, the question of, like, oh, would you, would you ever diet? Like, were you ever asked to diet? And she said, she's like, yeah, I was asked on one movie I did on Psycho Beach Party. They wanted me to be a blonde. And, you know, I had promised, I think, like, apparently Lauren Ambrose had said, like, I promised my mother I would never dye my hair. And so I, like, thought about, and I was able to talk the director into, like, me making a case for her being a zany redhead. And, like, I love Lucy, and it makes more sense that she'd be a redhead. And, and I think it does work. And also, like, yeah, for sure. Where I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to see Lauren Ambrose with blonde hair in this movie. No. Yeah, I would have wanted to hear her sing, though. That would have been fun. Yeah, I <laughs> I could see why you um, would think or would misremember it as maybe yeah. having the musical elements to it. Because it does really feel like, like a Frankie and Annette kind of like. Oh, yeah like beach party movie at times like there should just be like a like a them dancing on the beach singing Mm -hmm. scene somewhere in there and like i don't know i don't know if that probably wouldn't have hurt it at all for me (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it would have improved it but 
Yeah, I mean, it's just a bummer like that it wasn't slicker and, and more creative and funny. Yeah, and uh, I think in part, like, sometimes it almost should have worked to its benefit. Like, that kind of, you know, drag that's, like, dirty on the edges type thing. Yeah. Where, like, you, you kind of want it to be not so produced. You want to see the seams. You want it, you want it to have those problems. But I wouldn't have minded if it, if it felt cheap instead yeah. of just not tight, I guess. Like yes, I, I could have handled I, like seeing mistakes or, you know, yes. like seeing like a character's hair change you'd seen, but I still just, you know, want the editing and pacing better. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was paced in a way that made it very difficult for me to pay attention. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah, I, I respect that. Uh, again, you. for me, this was also a case where like, this was exactly the kind of movie I needed. Like this in the sand were exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> that would have been quite the double oh, feature. Oh, yes, yes. I, I mean, I just wanted, like, fun, lighthearted movies set on beaches. And and that's what this is. I mean, you know, and, like, this is, has fun. Like, there's obviously, again, like, you know, gay themes and different things coming up. The, the two very, you know, macho young guys who realize every time they wrestle that they actually feel something for each other. Uh, so there's a, But, like, there's a sweetness to the movie, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's not quite as good as it should be, but still enjoyable for me. All right. Do you have any more to say about Psycho Beach Party? I don't think so. Oh, so there is one of the characters is the bad guy from the Zeppo episode of Buffy. <gasps> Oh, and I thought it was funny because Xander's in this. Of and that's course, like his, that's his episode. Well, and Amy Adams is also in an episode yep. of Buffy in her, um, season yep. five. She plays Tara's sister. There's another. There's somebody else too. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. think of who it is. But yeah, and it makes sense because I mean, this is the year 2000. So if, yep. if in 2000 you were casting a movie with a lot of teenagers, there's a good chance that a lot of them would have guest starred on Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Nine Hundred Two and Zero. So, yep. Yeah, we get both. All right. So, Psycho Beach Party, Christine, what is your quality of film? Uh, five. Um, I'll I'll go for quality of film if I'm being honest about the fact that the film making itself is the issue. Um, I'll go with a 6 for quality of film. And I would have gone lower, but there are there are good performances oh, in yeah. this movie. Yes, yes. So. Lauren Ambrose is a national treasure. So. Yeah. Uh, quality of life. 4.5. And for me, I'm going, um, <laughs> uh, okay, if I gave less money, I'll, I'll go eight, because this, again, just put me in the exact mood I wanted to be in. This is maybe one of the biggest disparities we've ever had. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had one of these, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I know there's other ones that I could probably, if given a list, pick them out, but like, yeah, this is... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't <laughs> this... happen often. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's a certain kind of movie. Yeah, well, typically, um, I'm trying to think when it's there. I mean, it's often the case where, yes, it's a musical or like something like that where this isn't a musical, but it is a musical without singing in a sense, yeah. like in terms of it, its style and its sort of over-the-topness. And yeah, those movies speak to me, and I'm a camp person, so I'm an easy mark for it. Um, and you are just, you know, sometimes you are, but if it doesn't reach you, it doesn't reach you. Um, I'm trying to remember when did I hate a movie that you loved? I don't feel like it happens very often. It doesn't. I feel like sometimes I'm angrier at a movie than you are. That's true. That yeah. is true. 
Mm. And I feel like sometimes I might talk you into liking a movie a little bit Oh, you've bit done more. that a lot. Yeah, I've tried to do it with you, but I don't always succeed. Do you, do you soften me a lot. I try. Um, on things, and you, you point out things that are undeniably true. Okay. That I have to give things credit for. Right. Um so that but that's a good thing okay. having other perspectives is a good thing yes you know that's that's otherwise what what fun would it be if you just spent two hours talking about these movies and it's true you know, yeah yeah exactly okay all right so psycho beach party is not streaming anywhere that i know of but you can rent it on amazon that's i recommend I you do if you're in that kind of mood for me it works apparently there is a like new special edition dvd that got put out recently so Oh, I wonder if the quality is a little bit better. I felt like the Amazon quality wasn't awesome. Did you do rent HD or do you just rent regular? I thought we did rent HD. Yeah, I do did HD now because otherwise it, like, Amazon transfers are terrible otherwise. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, but again, it, yeah, it, I wish it was better, but I still like to love it, so. Mm-hmm. All right, so now, uh, moving on, before we say goodbye, do you have any streaming recommendations? I know you do, because you said you had one, and I want to know what it is. I do. I don't know if you've watched this. You very well might have, Uh Um, but I don't know why I was so hesitant to check out the um, Canon documentary Ah, that's on Netflix. Yes, it's a good time. Electric Electric Boogaloo. Uh There, um, I enjoyed it a lot. Yep, yep. Um, I, I apparently have seen and have a fondness for more canon productions than I realized. Sure. I think that's what I thought. Like, oh, I have no connection to this. There's not going to be anything for me here. But then, like, that's completely not the case. So I, I liked it a lot. Yep. And it balanced, um, like, stuff about the people behind the movies with the movies themselves pretty well. Yeah. So it didn't really heavily lean into one or the other. Very, very good point. <clears throat> There's some great anecdotes that are entertaining, but then you also get a lot of like, oh, this movie. Oh, that movie. Oh, I'm learning yeah. something about this movie. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Do you remember? The name of the actual thing? Yes. Electric Boogaloo. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. I watched it probably two years ago or whenever it kind of yeah. first hit. I, I don't know why. I just I, I slept on it, I guess. And uh, it's still streaming. So if you didn't check it out when it, everybody was talking about it, you probably should. Go for it. All right, my instant pick is also a Netflix. And, I mean, guys, you can just go on Amazon and watch The Sand if you want to, because that's also a high recommend. But um, I'm going to instead go on Netflix Instant, something that a lot of people have been talking about. And when, like, a bunch of different people from different parts of my life on Facebook said, like, everybody should check this out. I'm like, I guess I'm one of those everybody who should check it out. And this was a comedy special on Netflix, and it was Hannah Gadsby's Nanette. Have not watched it yet. You liked it? I did, yeah. It, um, I mean, it's, you know, about a one-hour comedy special, and it starts off where you kind of think, okay, she's funny. Um, She's, you know, she's telling jokes, and she's, you know, dry and funny and all that. And it turns into something much more important. And Mm -hmm. I, like, I had heard that, and you, especially when you start watching it, you're like, it feels kind of like a regular comedy show. But as it turns and when it does and when you get to the end of it, you realize what she has done with her comedy and what she, how she has been able to take this format and this hour and kind of put you in a certain place that you're so comfortable in and then start kind of peeling away these different things about that and 
make you start to think about things and feel things and, you know, um, feel things for not having thought things and everything. It's, it's very powerful. It's really, really, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, I just keep saying powerful, which is kind of a light word, but it's the best way to describe it. It is something you kind of have to watch to understand, I think. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just important, I think. Especially, I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, in, in this, it's timely. <clears throat> it's just worth it. I'm dying. Let me clear my throat here. Ah, okay. I like those remnants of being sick, where like you think you're all good, and then like, Worst. like suddenly, like buried deep in your throat, it's like, oh no, you thought you were clear, but you're not clear. So, <laughs> it's like a little knife of some tiny creature stuck in my throat, stabbing his way up and repelling. Anyway, on that lovely image, do you have anything you are itching to cover when we next speak? I actually am not. I haven't thought of anything specifically. All of the um, tw Twilight movies. I will kill you. All of them. I will um, go on the internet and find an anthrax supplier and <laughs> have that anthrax shipped to you and tell you, Christine, I sent you a batch of vegan cookies. Please enjoy. And you will open it and you will die because I will and not it, watch it, all those movies. <laughs> so no to that then. I'm, yes. I don't have, I didn't have anything that was sticking out in my brain. Okay. Well, we will figure that out uh, and we will tell everybody. We will announce it on Facebook as we decide what those movies will be. But in the meantime, I don't know, everybody stay cool and don't drink mystery red liquid if you don't know what it is from Kiefer Sutherland, because you could become a half-vampire. Yeah, stay as cool as Corey Haim. Cool. <laughs>